Guys, can you believe that Kingdom of Ash is out now? No, no, no. I, it's been so it's been a long wait for it and it's I can't wait to read it now. I li- I seriously can't. I feel really cruel making you guys not read the book yet. Uh, but for our next episode on Kingdom of Ash, we're going to be talking about what we think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So for Dante, I apologise profusely <laughs> for withholding you uh, this very important information. Yeah. Oh, I'm you're really excited. Yeah. <laughs> you look like you're fuming. Yeah. You'll survive. Yeah. Anyway, my name is James. I'm Vedanti. And I'm Lekika. And this is our podcast. It's a series of six episodes where we're discussing the Throne of Glass book series by Sarah J Maas. So there has been and is still a lot of excitement because the last book, like we just said, has just come out a few days ago called Kingdom of Ash. So, you know, we wanted to see what the fuss was about. And so we read all the series, barring the last one, and we've decided to make a podcast on it. The book is published by Bloomsbury. Follow them on Twitter at Kids Bloomsbury for the latest updates. And this week we are discussing... Empire of Storms. The assassin Queen Eileen has sworn not to turn her back on her kingdom again, especially when she might be the only one to raise an army to fight the Dark King from unleashing his beasts upon them all. But Erowan has used Eileen's past allies and her enemies against her. With a powerful court trusting Eileen to lead and her heart devoted to the warrior prince at her side, what or who is she willing to sacrifice to spare her world from being torn apart? <laughs> wow. And so guys, to our first question then, the best thing about this book that we're talking about is we get to learn a bit more about some of the other characters, especially Lorcan and Erewhon, who's evil, and they've come in the previous books, but this gives us more information about them, which is really exciting. Um, we have Lorcan, and and he's a warrior of Maeve. When he's traveling, traveling with Eli, how does that change him as a person? Yeah, so Lorcan is one of the team, right? Cardre. Rowan, Cardrea, Rowan, Lorcan, Gabrielle. And one, the of the squad. The squad, yeah. exactly. one of the squads. The squad, exactly. One of the squad. That was brought up in one of the previous episodes. Yeah. I like that. I'm trying to think of like all of these characters now, like Aileen and her squad. Like she's the Taylor Swift of this situation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She's doing her squad along. I know in reality it's not like that, but <laughs> that's how I'm trying to picture this. <laughs> Why not? But we meet Lorcan and he comes through as, you know, he's not the nicest of Rowan's team, let's say. Because when we, when Rowan is confronted by him after, when Rowan's with Aileen, it's not as friendly as you'd expect yeah. a member of his team to be. And so you think of Lorcan as this wicked and cunning person. You, you don't really endear to him very easily. You're like, I don't really know yeah. what he's like. And yeah, he, he probably is good looking like they all are, but I don't know, his personality isn't. And so then when he meets a lead who he's actually tracking, right? I think he's tracking, he's her, tracking or her. He's tracking someone else and runs into a lead and he starts to do these things which seem harsh at first, but then we start to realize that he's doing them because he's trying to protect her. Yeah. And you're like, wait, maybe there's more to this evil, random evil dude who's come <laughs> up in our book. Then there's just harsh facade. And so you start to then learn and he starts to unravel a bit more the longer he travels with her, which is which gets really interesting, right? That's quite yeah. a human like 
reaction though. Yeah. A lot of people, and especially again in this sort of situation, you're not gonna like show all your cards at once. No. Do you think though, and this is like something that hit in my mind, that as readers, we have like a predisposition to not trust this person because he's a new character in the book. And we've kind we've built that relationship with the other characters and his some new guy in like the penultimate book of the series <laughs> coming in like who is this guy versus actually necessarily him being that mysterious. Do you think that's more just what we are taking from it? Yeah. yeah. I feel I feel like um, because he's a new character and we know everybody else and he was being really like harsh towards Eli who we've met previously. Yeah. It sort of just came off as we, we don't really like you. <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> but also like he didn't really I, like he's a new character for everybody yeah. so it kind of reminds me of like when somebody joins your school at the start of the year right and you're like who is this guy and for the first like three days everybody's bad mouthing him like all the things that I've heard about you and <laughs> why you've joined oh my God. and after three days you're like um, no this is like the same as everybody else yeah. Yeah. and like after a week you're like hasn't this person Doesn't been, been here for like, yeah. so that's like that's the sort of relationship that I have with Locke and like at the beginning when he joined the book. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true sure. because we don't know him and especially characters being introduced in the last couple of books of the series. You're like, are they just random characters that have been thrown in or are they somebody that are going to just change, change the way the book because yeah. that happens? And so and so it's interesting to have this new character and you start we've started to like Elide, right? We 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 we, we talked about her last in the last episode. We like her and so to have somebody who's not liking her as we are. We're like, how could you not like a lead? And so I guess maybe that contributes to the fact that yeah. we don't like Lorcan in the beginning. And as yeah. as he starts to open up, like like you said, like anybody anybody does when they first meet a person, then we start to think, oh, there's more to him and maybe he's a decent person after all. Yeah. There's like a lot of these character arcs, aren't there, like in the book. I think Lorcan probably one of the fastest ones. Yes. If you think about like Aileen, that's been a character arc throughout the whole series. Yeah. But Lorcan is like, you know. I think it's in one chapter, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's in, in like one main chapter where they're like going across this forest that you see him doing like these things. Yeah. Like these actions towards her <laughs> and you see, yeah. and you see him slowly unravel into like not as harsh. So, as this is, you know, the last, the penultimate book in this series, as the books approach the finale, we learn more about some of the characters who have been featured a bit less in the other books, just just like we said about Lorcan. So he is one of the six elite warriors of Maeve, of whom Rowan used to be one before he swore a blood oath to Aelin. So I want to know, you know, which character or character's development in this book have you been the most surprised or impressed by? Um, I feel like the character development for me would be Rowan. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we get it. <laughs> because I feel like he went from such like a harsh person, like not trusting a lot of people because of what, what had happened to him previously, to such a like caring and like kind attitude towards Aileen and her friends. Mm -hmm. And it's really like interesting to see him unravel and become not just like a strong, harsh warrior prince to like more nice warrior prince does it make me cliche if i say island yeah. right no one ever says that they like the main character in a book series it's so weird if you ask people but i really like the way she's changed first we met her as selena right and like 
as a new character we were a bit untrusting but as we got to know her and then she became into Aileen and now she's growing into her powers yeah and now she's growing into her powers I feel like she has had one of the best developments just because she's you see her mature a bit more as well because she's meeting people who she needs to make relations with to be able to you know gather her gather her forces gather her armies and you see her past relationships and how she used to act then and how she's matured from then and so even though there are some amazing amazing developments right in lead for example one of them growing a little bit of a backbone yeah. i think Eileen is really important to the series of course but she has just worked so hard on herself to get to where she where is she now is. and she is eventually or she is currently becoming and especially in this book a queen, a queen. right she's finally starting showing to look traits. like somebody yeah showing traits exactly of somebody who could be who could be queen and that wasn't the case in the first book or two and so that is the most impressive, in my opinion, development. I actually agree with you. I was, I'm not copying you. <laughs> no, sorry. But um, like, what I like so much about this series is how you kind of dip in and out of lots of different stories, but it does always come back to Aileen at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And like, there's this, like, I'd say that's the character which I feel like most the most attachment to. Yeah. Because for sure. um, we've been fo- as I said we've been following her for this whole journey. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's, she's been like the constant. There's been some characters that have kind of been and gone, and we're going to talk about um, some of them. I think actually in the final episode, in the next yeah. episode, about some of the ones that we've not seen so much, and then all of a sudden come back. Um, but yeah, I just kind of feel like there's she's been the consistent, and she's the one who's done the most growth too, developing into this almost like a queen, really. Exactly, and that's really nice to see, because you do want the book to tie up in a nice way, the series, I mean, to tie up in a nice way. And if Eileen hadn't progressed the way she had, as a reader, you'd start to get a little bit worried. Yeah. I don't remember what series I was reading, but it was a couple of years ago, and I remember telling you, Vidan, that I'm really worried as to how it's going to end, because I don't think it's going to end well. Or it's not going to end in the way it should. Like, it's not going to tie together nicely. And I'm not saying what the author should write. Okay, listen. <laughs> no, um, what I meant was the way Eileen has progressed. It now seems like if the uh, last book is going to end her in becoming queen, it, it makes sense because of the way she's progressed. If it's not, then it'll still make sense. I'm positive. But if she hadn't developed, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have made sense, right? Yeah, no, like, she would... And I feel like it's because becoming Aileen, she's taken over this responsibility and she knows that she's going to be a queen. If she hadn't developed in the way she did, she wouldn't have been queen. Like, she wouldn't have... She may have had the traits, but she wouldn't be able to, like, become a good queen. Mm -hmm. On I mean, we still have to wait and see if she becomes queen, but But, it now makes sense, like, normal, natural progression to see if she does, doesn't it? So, talking about her progression of becoming queen, right? And we've to talk, let's talk about the guy against her, Erewhon. Why do you think people ally with him as an evil ruler? I feel like people ally with the bad guy because they're scared. Because it's not like when a war starts, you never know the true, like, you don't know who's going to win. And sometimes the bad guy seems stronger and more powerful. So, mm-hmm. people tend to just ally with him for the sake of, like, maybe safety also, some people get, like, really easily manipulated. Right. And this evil guy 
So. No, I get with the safety thing that sometimes, you know, when, especially how we were just saying that Aruan seems a lot stronger than Aileen. And you know how in the book we see that there are rumors flying about, around about Aileen and, you know, what position she's in right now and is she she's young, is she suitable to be a queen, to lead. And at this point in time, as if we were in that book or in that scenario, you start to think, what are my best chances of survival, right? And so Erwan seems to be what people lean towards because a he's not like it's not like he's asking anything from them. I don't think he is. Just like no, he's just like ally with me. And I'll survive. I'll let you survive. I mean, we don't know if that's true, but that's what he's saying. Yeah. yeah. Also, though, to bring back one of my quotes from one of the previous episodes, um, the the enemy of your enemy is your friend. Yeah, the enemy. Yes. Of yeah. And it's, is it kind of like the same? Is in these light, literal life or death situations, you just need to take advantage of any opportunity you can <laughs> if it means survival. Especially right, as there's doubt over Aileen's ability yeah. to lead and I guess you yeah, have to lead people through to survival. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- you know, I think in times of desperation, you're... I don't know, so there's two types of people in times of desperation who either stick by their ethics and their morals and some that will just go, I need to do whatever I need to do to survive. Yeah. And in this situation, you know, a lot of people yeah. are allying with Erewhon because they just need to do what they want to do to survive. Yeah, and I mean, you can't fault them for that. They want to live, right? And they're saying, if we ally with him and he wins, we're in a good standing with him. If we ally with him and Eileen wins at least we have a chance of survival and maybe you know she's the more understanding of the two maybe there's a chance of forgiveness right and it's also about like the survival of the fittest because currently some people think that Erewhon is more fit to win than Eileen because he's older he's he's older experienced and he has less emotional attachment whereas um she she has all of she has her she has Rowan who she cares about her cousin Adian I mean, even like her friends. Yeah. And so Dorian, she has more she to has lose, more to lose that, than Erwan yeah. does because Erwan just has an army and like he doesn't really have any proper emotional attachments to anyone. Yeah. Whereas he could like exploit hers by harming her friends. Yeah. So people probably think that he's in a better emotional state to win. Yeah. Not just like physically, like he's in a better emotional place to win than Aelin is. Yeah. I think it's interesting though how people you see that emotional attachment as a weakness yeah. rather than a strength because I think that characteristic would also mean that if you ally against me then I'm not going to be there to protect you if I win and you lose Yeah. yet people I don't know are aren't looking that far and just go here's someone with like and this isn't just in the book this happens in real life mm-hmm. here's someone with emotion so you know I don't trust they're them weak. as much or they're weak and people do tend to see that as a weakness even though in reality I, I think it's a strength because if you are thinking in that way and you're protecting people who are loyal to you then I think that's a good sign yeah and sometimes yeah. your greatest weakness is can be your right exactly and so if, abortion, the <laughs> yes that's yeah. so and and so if your greatest weakness is your emotional attachment the fact that you care about people that those bonds are what give you strength and what give Eileen, for example a reason to fight because if she didn't have any bonds with anybody if she stayed 
you know, as she was when she was an assassin, if she hadn't built those bonds, then what was her reason to fight? She would have been happy if doing her assassinating things. Assassin. <laughs> <laughs> My best way of describing it. Which and side, sorry, which, which side do you think Manon's on, though? We I have th- differing opinions on this. See, I absolutely adore Manon, right? I think this is, she's the most wicked character in the book. And really? even though I want her, <laughs> yeah, even though I want her to be on Island's side, right? I feel like she's on the side that benefits her the most, and currently that's Island. And maybe if something t- tips the scales the other way, she'll switch. She's like the middle ground, like when there's scales, it's the thing in the middle mm-hmm. that holds the scales up. And um, I feel like she's that currently. She's um, she's not sure because she's always looking for the best of her clan. Yeah. Basically, she's always looking for whatever will benefit her the most. She doesn't really care about anybody else, to be honest. Yeah, and so, so I think that makes her slightly unstable. Flight risk. There you go. I was trying to remember what it was. Makes her a flight risk because if Eileen starts to trust her or put some responsibilities, for example, on her, how is she certain that Manon's not just going to run the minute her clan gets benefited or is able to work with Erwin and then have some form of benefit. That's also true, but she knows how strong Island can be because, um, as I think we talked about in the last show, mm-hmm. they had a fight sort of thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she knows the risks of becoming her enemy. Mm. So in that case, she might not right. side with the evil guy, but it's I mean, I want you her, don't know. I want her to be on Island's side. Come on, man on an island seems like a good friendship perhaps later on but all you want is for people to be happy yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's I I've really seen the difference in two sisters here over the past few episodes we've got the cunning one and we've got the one who just wants everybody to be happy yeah. I would know but yeah that's true. That's, true. that's true that's so true but I just I, I like to think that Manon right now especially in where she is in terms of mental and physical state she's with Eileen and her gang but she's had issues with her grandmother she's not she doesn't know if her clan is dead or alive she doesn't know where they are and her her wyvern's gone somewhere right yeah so she's really unstable right now she's not feeling the best of course so right now she will do whatever it takes for her to survive and then find her clan if that turns out to be Eileen, then that's whose side she'll, she's on. If it doesn't, then we'll see what happens. If she doesn't know who to trust currently right now, because she's lost quite a lot of things, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's made it really hard on her. Yeah. To, so now, current what she's looking for now, when you don't have anything, you look for what's either best for you, yeah, or best for your people. Yeah, she's just going with the flow right now. She's trying to see where life or time is going to take yeah. her. And... That kind of links to my next point, which is, you know, how Eileen's path right now, since from book one as Selena to her right now, do you think that was dictated by fate or, you know, the gods? Or was it her and her choice, her personality that dictated it? I feel like the choices, because even though it is fate, like some things are just fate, but um, (laughs) I feel like... Her choices make a really big impact. Like, if you've ever done one of those, like, diagrams and they ask you, like, to figure out, I don't know, your, whatever, like, the question is, and you have to choose those questions and it goes yes or no and you have to follow the trail. It's like that. So, like, some of her choices affect really largely, like, her accepting the 
chance to become the king's champion when she could have just stayed there and lived out her sentence mm-hmm. or her choosing not to betray Dorian and but like who was going to choose to stay in the mines okay come on but like no she, she, I tend to think it was a choice as well just because like I don't know I, I almost want them to be her choices because she's such a strong character that I would find it quite upsetting if like I thought Mm-hmm. That she's only got where she's gotten to because of fate and not because of like, you know, the choices she's made and yeah. oh, there's just some higher being has meant that she is where she is. Yeah. No, like she's a strong character who's in control of her destiny. I think that's completely correct and I, I it would be upsetting, but if we think cast our minds back to I believe the first book, when we meet uh, Elena, who is her ancestor and she comes to her in a dream. And she talks to Eileen, and I feel like that's the only intervention from fate in this in this series of books, making Eileen be the descendant who needs to finish the job that Elena couldn't finish, defeating Erewhon. And so I think that is where fate intervened. But if Eileen herself wasn't a strong character, like you said, James, then she wouldn't have succeeded and got to the point where she is now. And if she wasn't who she was, then perhaps Elena a more weaker character. Would it, no, it's not Elena wouldn't have chosen it. It's more her part would have died out a long time ago if she wasn't as strong and stubborn as steadfast as she was. So I feel like it's 80-20, if that makes sense. So 80% of her choices, 20% of fate, because there is some link to the past that's bringing all these things back up again. And yes, the rest of it is her, her choices, her personality, but there's got to be some form of fate or the gods involved to get this all started i guess yeah i mean firstly it's a fantasy book so yeah <laughs> massively possible but also like you're right because there were definitely some like difficult crossroads that came up like as you said when she had to decide whether she was gonna kind of accept the challenge to become the king's champion like that i don't think that was something that we necessarily foresaw happening yeah and then you're right. She made the decision mm-hmm. to to go down that path, which is totally in line with her personality and the sort of person she is. Mm-hmm. But for her to be offered that in the first place, like if we think back to the first book, we would have never thought that would have happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, so for that to kind of be offered to her, you're right. It's a mixture between her decisions leading her up to that point, her personality, and yeah. things have a way of you know, doing things themselves. Exactly. But um but that's almost like real life, isn't it? It's you know, you put yourself in certain situations and other things come of that. Yes. Whether you can expect them or not. Yeah. You can't obviously predict the future, but it is her choices that put her in situations where then she gets a choice. She has another choice to make and so on and so on. And it'll be interesting to see what her choices take her now yeah. in the last book. That's so Raven. It's the future I can say. Yeah, that's so Raven. It's not mysterious to me. Um, anyway, we've got some messages uh, from listeners. Awesome. Yeah. But first, Lakika, you've got a message. Right, so guys, the latest book from the Throne of Glass series, Kingdom of Ash, which is the unforgettable conclusion by the best-selling author, Sarah J. Mass, is out now in bookstores and online. So visit sarahjmass.com for all the details and to order the book. Amazing. So, I don't even know where to start. This is so exciting. We're going to start with this one from Liz. She actually answers a few of the different questions. 
um, and things that we've kind of been discussing on today's episode. Hey, my name is Liz from Bend, Oregon. Um, my friend Jackie and I kind of wanted to do this as a collaboration piece. Um, we were and are a bit obsessed with all of Mass's stories. By far my favorite book from the Throne of Glass series is Empire of Storms, by far. Um, I think it's one of the most influential novels that she's written in this series. It ties together so much with so many emotions. I remember genuinely at parts finding myself like with my arm up in the air shouting yes and feeling that camaraderie against different with different characters um, that you maybe didn't think would ever cross paths. And I remember setting down the book at the end was devastating and the emotions that were thrown around from laughter, pride, heartache, sorrow, they were unmatched to any other book in my opinion and, and Jackie's as well. Um, my heart aches for Rowan and, and everyone who, who loved Aelin. Um, as far as the books go, I think um, why people allied with Erewhon, first of all, um, fans have to read Tower of Dawn. It explains so much about Erewhon and what he's really about. Um, but people will align themselves with the potential villain if they think that will give them a potential chance of winning. It's just human nature, and if allying may potentially save them in the long run, they'll join the evil side. Um, if he promises them great power, if he promises a winning side, he's a man that has a, a lot of power, and the potential he can give it to others is, you know, something that everybody wants. Um, I think it could be quite a tempting offer. By the way, guys, in case you're new to the series and you didn't know, Tower of Dawn is part of the Throne of Glass series, and it happens at the same time as Empire of Storm. But it follows Kaol on an epic journey to a distant empire, so make sure you guys give that a read as well for sure. Let's talk about that. We're going to finish off Liz's message shortly. Sure. Um, but we were obviously just talking about why people were siding with Erewhon. Yeah. Um, what do you think about what Liz had to say? Yeah, she seems to agree with us. The yeah. fact that you just join whoever you can for survival. And the fact that Erewhon is promising them stuff, right? Maybe that's land, maybe that's riches, maybe it's actual power in form of magic. I think is another thing that draws people to him because... A, they get the chance of survival or what they believe is survival if he's the stronger one. And another thing with Erewhon is, is they've heard stories about him because he's so old. And so when you hear stories, legends, etc. about a person rather than Eileen who's only been on, who's only been in existence for 18, 19 years of her life, I think they're more te- the tendency is to be like, he's stronger. Let's stick with him. Fantastic. Let's listen to the rest of Liz's message. And then as far as Aelin's fate, um, perhaps being determined by the gods, I think that's a really like philosophical question that we can even ask nowadays how much of our lives um, are determined, determined by fate. You know, are there choices that are truly our own or is it all pre-designed fate and is being ordered by some higher power? And that is that telling us what we're supposed to do? You know, it's a big question that can make us feel that we don't necessarily make our own choices or others feel we have designed paths that we have to follow and our choices are a result of that. Um, I think it would be nice to think Aelin has her own choices in the matter, but considering all the factors Maeve has seen and seen into the future, I, you know, I think that's really tough. Um, and everything she's seen has come to pass as predicted. So I think that asks kind of the ultimate question, you know, have her choices really been her own or are they some bigger web um going on in the in the universe 
Firstly, thank you very much to Les for that message. Yeah. I, for on the, the topic about whether Aiden's path was predetermined, it is so difficult. You're right because it was, as we said, it was predicted. Yes. But like, there was no part in the book where it was clear that like she was going to. Like she, like she was inhabited by something which made her feel a certain way. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if it. I don't know. When it comes to freedom of choice, I remember this is so random. Uh, GCSE religious studies, which you're doing right now, and we had a lesson where our teacher, who ironically, like you mentioned, is a philosoph- philosophical question, he he done philosophy at university. He asked us, are our choices our own or are they determined already and there's a path that we have to follow? And I remember him just being so frustratingly, just like, you know, just so calm about this, about how, yes, you know what, it probably are, our choices are probably predetermined. And it was so frustrating to think that, that I think the same applies here. It would be really, really frustrating to think that she has had no choice and everything has been predetermined. Yeah, but will we really ever know? Oh my god. Yeah, that's that's what another philosophical question. No. I think that I think it's down to you and this is what I tend to agree with, that it is like the chart thing where you can go left or right and then that leads to another yeah. set of things. Yeah. And I just think your personality type would help determine which option you pick. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a choice at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. Because she didn't have to choose anything. There's nothing particularly like she had pros and cons on either side at a lot of these key decisions but there was nothing that physically made her do one thing over another it always yeah. felt like it was her decision exactly like she could always have chosen to go the other way yeah at no point did it feel like everything was going in favor of one side than the other and i think that just means that in our opinion at least it's her dictating the path no yeah, yeah. we've got another message here this one's from anna um, who's got some thoughts and things for us to think about. My name is Anna Dallas, and my favourite book in the Throne of Glass series has definitely got to be Empire of Storms. This book is jam-packed with action, and for the first time we see the whole gang, all the cast of characters, essentially come together and be forced to interact with each other. So all those different personalities and allegiances um, coming together, and also being forced to um, take sides into this coming final war. Um, Another incredible thing that I absolutely adore about this book is seeing Aelin's journey come to a full circle. Her coming back to Skull's Bay, where it all began for us in this journey with her in the Assassin's Blade, and her having developed into this new person is just so gratifying, and I think it's testament to the hard work that Sarah's put in over the years to develop this great and incredible series. Um, and it's evident also in the fact that this book is so crucial to the series. Um, everything culminates here, and, and I think that's awesome. Uh, and the other last thing that I wanted to just point out is for the first time, and I really enjoyed this, um, first time we see Aelin interact with her court, the court of Terrison, uh, and, and we get to sort of gauge how they feel about her um, as well. And so I was wondering, and this is what's my question for you guys today is, what do you think uh, of Aelin's court and um, do they like her? Um, will they support her 
or do they support her? And also, is there a place in Aelin's new court for her new friends and allies? And I was wondering who would be coming and what would they be doing? So just that kind of thing. Um, thanks very much for all your time, guys. See ya. So as they just mentioned, Assassin's Blade is also part of the Throne of Glass series. And it's a prequel. And you meet Selena and follow her on a couple of adventures. And it's just a great starter point for the whole series. I mean, fantastic messages, yeah, yeah, exactly. And all the messages we've received have been so fantastic. Uh, but thank you to Anna for that one. Um, if I start it off, I think this kind of relates back to what we were saying before, that in this book, you, you know, there are friends and there are squads, and we were talking about that, but at the end of the day, it's just about the battle for survival. Mm-hmm. And people, I think, will join her caught other people who believe that that's what's going to be beneficial to them exactly and will lead to their survival yeah and i agree with you that this book is the mash mash of all these different characters coming together and it's so nice to see them all interact like you said and talking about her court i absolutely adore it because it's not and i think there's a character who says it in the book that it's not a normal court as in it's got different people not the people you'd expect in it maybe it's I don't, Darrow, I think, who yeah. says it, that she has so many different personalities. She has Aiden, her cousin, who we know is loyal to her, Rowan, of course. But I love that she has Lysandra, right? Who is this shapeshifter, and, you know, she's had a horrible past, and this is a ch- her chance to be somebody better, to be somewhat, uh, not important, but just to, you know, make something out of her life. And I think with other people in her court, it doesn't matter because these are her, you know, her main people. And with Gabrielle and Fenris also helping her out, I think her court is this amalgamation of people with such good, strong personalities that even if it's not as normal as people would think, it suits Aileen's personality, right? I feel like with the fact of like accepting them, I feel like in the end, whether they like it or not, they'll have to because I feel like there's no way that she's gonna let her go with her friends. Yeah. And like these people have turned into like her family. Yes. To for just because like this bunch of people who she doesn't really know as well say that they don't want them in the court. Yeah. So I feel like it would be really hard to tell her no. No, and they all have such different strengths, right? Yeah. And she'll play to them for sure right from what we've learned about Island, she's gonna make them in charge of different things of running a kingdom or ruling a kingdom and she'll play to their strengths and i guess that will work in the favor of others accepting her accepting them in the court and i think that's going to be an interesting read and i also think that they haven't really seen them to like their full capabilities so they don't really know what they can do and what they're capable of which is also making them really reluctant because they're like these these like they haven't met them they yet, haven't met yeah. them yet they have they don't they barely know who they are they just know that this is like her, her squad basically and they don't know that much about them so they're slightly reluctant into like accepting these new random people yeah yeah well I mean, a lot wrapped up, but still a lot to find out so in the much. last book. Um, I've got two final questions for you guys. Right. Yeah. But first, Lakika, you've got a message for us. Yeah. So, guys, the latest wow. book from the Throne of Glass series, which is Kingdom of Ash, is out now in bookstores and online. It is the unforgettable conclusion to this series by Sarah J. Mass. So, visit sarahjmass.com for all the details and to order the book. Well, now it's time for our favourite part of the podcast. It's Name A 
Words. You know what you, yes. you just don't get people excited about this series that's going on. It's upset me. Anyway, in this uh, segment, you guys, Lakika and Vedanti, are going to choose one word each to describe your feelings about what happens in this book in the Throne of Glass series. So, Vedanti, you can go first. I am astonished. <laughs> because, my word. Because basically, I, f- like, I feel so like there's so much has happened in this book so much has happened and so many people have been introduced to each other and it's just like oh my god it's just a really big like you're astonished by what's happened yeah no i am i'm delighted right this book even though it's not my favorite which era fire has been my favorite so far this book has brought like you said so many people together but also it's the biggest, it is, right? It's always the second biggest. It's one of the biggest. So much happens in it, right? That you are wrapped up in so many different plot lines and they start to come together at the end. And I think that makes it such a good read because it's like we said in the last episode that we when we started reading about Manon, we were like, who is this random person who we're reading about? And now she's met Eileen, and so we're starting to learn a bit more about that. And it's just, it's so, it's so interesting. So delighted is my word. Yeah. Wow. Well, my second question is, Ooh. what do you think is going to happen in the next book? But <laughs> that's basically what the whole of the next episode is going to be. So our listeners are going to have to wait a whole week into the oh. next episode to find out that. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Yes. We'll be back with the series finale of both wow. the Throne of Glass series and our podcast next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.